Welcome to another edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover an artist and an artist. This week we're talking about the notorious B.I.G. and Tupac. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. And this is Tyler here. That, that could be not our, the best song. That could be our worst no. intro song that's it's ever existed. Not, yeah. not, not a great intro song. Anyway, so we're doing something a little differently. I mentioned this on the, the end of our last episode, but we are going to be covering for the first time two artists within the same episode. We're going to be talking about both the Notorious B.I.G. and we're going to be talking about Tupac Shakur. So do we want to talk about them individually first? And then talk about them collectively. How do you guys want to handle it? I don't. It doesn't really matter, I suppose. Just, but if we start talking individually, we're just going to get into the collective anyway. Yeah. That's entirely true. Well, then I will ask the. Um, I will ask our usual question. How did you feel about listening to Biggie? Okay. Oh my! It was it was pretty good, but you I mean, picked it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. It was. I mean. Sometimes you look back at things and you think this is going to be good, and then you listen to it, and it wasn't bad. It just wasn't as good as I want, as I thought it was going to be. Oh Fair enough. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, here's it was the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. It's a long album. The first one. They're both longer yes, albums. They are both long. Now albums. I will admit that uh, "Ready to Die." I don't think it's bloated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's long, but it didn't. It wasn't. I, there wasn't I a time where I go, "I wish this album was over." Mm-hmm. You know, and it was. It's good. It's definitely good, and I like '90s. I like '90s rap and hip hop, mm-hmm. and this is. These are great examples of it for sure, and it's good. But the thing that I learned about '90s hip hop and and rap is that there's like honestly, once you get into a, your a stylistic thing, such as the East Coast Biggie situation, it rarely diverges. It diverges more so, let me say, than Tupac, quite honestly. Sure. But um it's it's like, okay, this is good, but it's but it's there's not a lot of like difference in it. And because there's only one album, there predominantly there's not a lot of opportunities to become different. Also, um both of these artists uh have really what I consider to be totally unnecessary sexual things in their albums. That is like kind of uncomfortable and just like unnecessary. The fact that like Tupac or Biggie has like a whole like interlude that's him like having sex with a woman. Yeah, it was, it was odd. Yeah, it was I mean, certainly odd. Tupac does some weird things like that too, where he's like talking to someone. He's actually trying to like lure some woman away. Tupac uh, does it in a bit of a weirder way. Yeah, for some obvious reasons. But, but I, I don't. I just think that like. Uh, some of it's unnecessary. The other thing I realized too is like I haven't listened to Ready to Die in a long time. Yeah. And because of that, and I listened to some of the ways that he talks on these interludes, and I'm like, dude, it's just like clear that you're 20 something, like you're in your early 20s. Like you sound a like a child. Dude. You sound kind of like a child just in some of it, like a, like a self centered child in the way that you're talking about some of this stuff. So it just didn't resonate in the same way that you expected. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's not that it's bad. It just didn't. It just didn't resonate in the same way. Jared, it sounds like you had a pretty similar experience then. Um, are we we're, we're talking about Biggie specifically? Biggie specifically, right now. Yeah. So I like the the big hits of Biggie a yeah. lot. I like uh, Hypnotize. I like uh, More Money, More Problems. That's a great yeah, song. That is with, a good song with Mace. Yep. Uh, that's a great song. Good sample. Um, Juicy, yes. obviously. Juicy. Yep, Juicy. Yeah, Juicy. Big Papa. 
Yep. The big the big one. But like the and I owned um the Life After Death album mm-hmm. um, on CD. I had it on CD when I was a kid. I got it like a yard sale, of course. Of course. All my stories start with that with CDs. Um but I liked songs from that album. It was long like like we said, but I don't know. Some of the stuff I was just kind of over it a little bit with with certain things. I yep. think that one thing about it is the irony of the his only album is called Ready to Die. And then he's got a song on uh there um what's it called here? About the suicidal suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Um which is like a really dark I mean, obviously, song. Sure. Uh, was talking about, like, his mom should have had an abortion. Like, it was, yeah. like, pretty pretty hardcore stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, just unfortunate that that in, was the end result. Right. And then that he named his, his album, or they named his album because he had already died. Um, the thing is, though, that the recording of the second album, because you are saying, like, yeah. he really only had one album. I would still argue that the second album is still... No, I agree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, that album, I think, uh, released 16 days after he had died. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was, it was all done. Ready, it was all ready yeah. to go. I mean, the release date was already set, probably, as well, honestly. Right. Yes. So, I, actually, I think it, I think it I mean, was they may have Biggie. It, but... I think they pushed it up because yeah. of him passing away. I think it maybe was farther back. Sure. That might have been Tupac, but one of them had that situation, so... Well, um, one of them didn't get turned into a hologram. That's true. One of them is our not hologram? thought of to be still alive, potentially. True. We'll get there. True. That That is the... W- their careers and the way that they um, died, bec- now they're synonymous with each other, which right, I don't yeah. think they ever would have been um, probably in the same way had all of that not kind of gone down the way it did. Not in the same way, no. Like if they both not. if they both somehow were still alive today, I don't think that there'd be that much of a like an interaction. Like you don't think, not in the same way at you all. You don't think of Puff Daddy and Snoop Dogg in the same right. conversation and they right. were a, around like they are associated with both artists um in the same way. Right. Just two different people. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. So Yeah. I think I that's know. very fair. I don't know. It yeah. It's going to be, with with the limited amount of music, it's kind of hard to like pinpoint everything uh, that we want to talk about just because it's a small sample, which is unfortunate. You know, there could have been more. Sure. Um, and, and we could... Well, depending kind of, on if we had decided to listen to a ton of freaking, um, you know, posthumous albums, because but they're not like they weren't meant for that. No, it's just like unreleased tracks. Some of them are just verses that were recorded, and then just throw the verse in, and then have a beat, and right. then have featured artists. And so, like, yeah. even though it's a, a Biggie Smalls song, it's fabricated. It's, really. it's, it's right. yeah, it's like okay, we have one verse from Biggie, and then we have all of these features, and now it's a song because right. we're able yeah. to make it four minutes long. So there's only you know, one verse. My point is that there's plenty of material. It's just not really their material in a lot of ways. Like you could listen to a lot of music from both of those artists. It's just that it's not really what they probably had in mind for what their music would have sounded like, obviously given the fact that they weren't there to make it what they wanted it to sound like. Right. So uh, we'll go ahead and transition 
over to um, Tupac. How did you feel about listening to Tupac this week? It was similar, I would say. I, ha- I actually haven't listened to Tupac as much as I'd listened to Biggie, but uh, I think I like I like the East Coast style more. I like the use of samples more. Like I think there's some. I think it's a little poppier, which I think is fun. Um, and there's a little bit more dynamic in the East Coast stuff. But I really enjoy the stylistic uh, elements of the West Coast as well. Because they put a lot of like little melody stuff in there that's kind of cool. Right. Even though it's very heavy with strings and a couple of like, there's a, a lot of the instrumentation is the same track to track in terms of what's in it. It's just that the notes change, the melody changes a little bit, you know? Yeah. But uh, what I do like about it's often brighter from my perspective as well. Yeah, it is a little bit brighter. That, and that's what I'm getting to is like the, the content of the lyrics. I much prefer probably Tupac because I like the, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of like, uh, like he's really kind of like a peace and love guy, honestly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his lyrics are a lot about of social, like, social issues. He yeah. touches on. Yeah. He, he's a very, very, it, it's looking at the, the two albums is very interesting to me because, uh, his two, the two major albums that we listened to, he had, you know, more albums previous, but he really blew up when he released me against the world and all eyes on me. Those were really kind of the two albums in which he became much more popular. Um, me against the world is really kind of like this introspective album where he's looking at how he got, cause it's recorded while he was in jail. Yeah. And um, you know, a lot of, a lot of that material, you can kind of get the sense of like, you know uh, you know, I, not I'm sorry, but like, you know, my, you know, thug lifestyle of, if you will, kind of led me to this point where I am now think of, you know, what I could have done. Like, you know, there's a whole song about his mom, you know, which is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cool song. Brenda's, really Brenda's got song. a baby is a really good song yeah. as well. Uh, I, he has way more important songs in my opinion. Yeah. Than Biggie does. I would agree. I think that's fair. But then all eyes on me is such a drastic shift in the way that he was singing about those same things yeah. where he then kind of like, because the story of All Eyes on Me is an interesting story as well. So um, the front of Death Row Records actually bailed him out of jail. Suge Knight. We'll discuss him later. Yes. To make it so he would release albums. He basically was like, you have to release three albums for Death Row Records. And that is why I will pay you out of jail. He was right. he was effectively bought. Prison. Prison. Thank you. Yes, prison. You say that a lot. Yeah, prison. They're not the same. I know they're not the same, but sometimes I do that. So, yes, you are correct. Anyways, he was in prison. He was basically bought to come out of prison for his art, which is a a weird concept. But All Eyes on Me then, he kind of goes full in on that style that he's going for. He sounds paranoid. He sounds angry. There's, you know, there's social issues definitely that are touched on. But it, it's a it, it, instead of like this almost um, step back and look at you know that lifestyle. It's more like no, I'm in that lifestyle. That is me for sure. So it's it, it's a it's an odd juxtaposition on those two albums yeah. in particular. All lines on me, I will admit, is too long. Oh yeah. Period. Well, there are some who think that the reason that he made a double album, which is this is the first uh, hip hop double album ever. Fun fact. Mm, mm. Um, cool, is the fact that it satisfied two of the three albums he had to do for Death Row. Sure. Oh. And so if it was a case that he released a ton of material really fast, he could then get out of his contract with Death Row and 
potentially go back to Interscope or do whatever it really was that he wanted to do. Yeah. I believe it was Interscope, wasn't it? That he was on initially for uh, all, not not um, Re- uh, me against the world. I don't know. I think so. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Interscope. Uh, regardless, it's too, it's still too long. It's it over is two hours long. Yeah, it's, that, it's crazy. I wanted it to be over a lot. I did too. It's just too much, and it's not because of the lack of dynamic. It's just too much. It's too much. I think that. Um, Tupac is more influential than Biggie is. Yes. Like, uh, list, I listened to the uh, Machiavelli 2, and I even in the first like couple tracks, I heard uh, DMX and I heard Eminem, mm-hmm. like with like the hard uh, grunt rap, I guess is maybe what you can like. I just, sure. I hear his influence in a lot more people than I do. I hear Biggie's influence. And one thing I, kind of thought about this week was um like tupac was in the bad um lifestyle uh like gang lifestyle drugs things like that and he rapped to get out of it whereas bi like notorious big was i i think he was more of uh had a better upbringing and didn't have to be in that lifestyle but he rapped about things like that to sound more legitimate so like they're two totally different artists when like Biggie was um like he had to try and sound harder than what he really was and Tupac was trying to sound softer than what his life had been. I don't know that I totally agree with that completely. Uh it does say that he he said he claimed personally. So I you know there's so much you can do, but um Wallace, you know, Christopher Wallace, he claimed that he was dealing drugs at like 12. Mm. So, you know, he the I, he kind of made this uh, image for him that he had been within that lifestyle throughout really his entire life. Um so I don't I don't know. Um it's hard to say on that one, but I do know so like um what's interesting about his relationship with um P Diddy is that P Diddy kind of pushed him to get out of that lifestyle in a lot mm, of ways. He was like, good. he was kind of like, like let's you know, let's focus on the music. Let's not keep doing this. But he was still, you know, he was still doing the same thing. He was still involved in that stuff while he was making that music. You know, mm. I think he got arrested for, um, I believe that Biggie got arrested for drug charges in the midst of his. Um, career like in the middle of like his popularity um so you know it's really hard to say on that one for sure but um i I do agree to a certain degree though that i do think that he kind of over inflates a lot of his lifestyle in a lot of ways he he leans into it heavily with his music he's often singing about it i even think like in particular that second album um life after death He's, you know, telling stories about, you know, like gang lifestyle. He he looks like he's in the mafia on the cover of the album. Like he's really, really leaning into that particular piece. Mafioso. Mafioso. Yeah. But really leaning into that portion of his um his music in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I could see what I've just was uh read about his upbringing was that he really he didn't he wasn't brought up in uh an area where that's the lifestyle that he had to have. He actually chose, he actively chose that lifestyle in his teens when he dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. He's actually was a good student prior to that. And and he could have probably just done, you know, whatever, but 
Uh, he actively chose it. So then, I mean, it's still like a dichotomy between the two of like having to be in it and choosing to be in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you both still have legitimate experiences within it, I suppose. And Tupac, he he also had, you know, his, his upbringing is certainly more interesting than Biggie's in a lot of ways because of the fact that um, he had so much, like his family had so much of a relation with like um, social issues, really. Because I believe, if I remember correctly, both of his parents were part of the Black Panther movement. Um, we make sure that that's right. I think it was the Black Panther movement. Yeah. Black Panther Party. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, you know, he was involved in um, he was involved in politics, you know, probably from day one in a lot of ways. And so I do think I agree with your point earlier that I think that he sings often far more about more important issues than Biggie. Yeah, I personally uh, prefer Biggie's uh, sonic qualities. I, I like the 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 beats and production of yeah. East Coast style way more than West Coast. Yep. I would even say that um, Ready to Die is probably like the um, the best example of what East Coast hip hop sounded like in the 90s. I agree as well, though, that I don't hear it as much in today's music. I don't think that the, that style of East Coast hip hop um, transcended forward as much. I think that East Coast, in a lot of ways, um, expanded and went in a lot more directions. I don't know. I don't know that this is for sure true. I don't know the math, but I think a lot more underground hip hop also came out of the East Coast area. I know that like Cannibal Ox is from Brooklyn. I know that LP is from Brooklyn. I know like a lot of a lot of those big uh, underground names are kind of from that area. Um, and there's a lot less underground that was going on in the West Coast area. And so I think that maybe that probably influenced what East Coast music sounded like. So it would kind of go in a different direction. I think West Coast has often stayed rooted in a lot of the same things that it has done to a certain degree. Well, there's lots of, I mean, I think you can hear, I mean, Jay-Z, for instance, when you listen to Jay-Z's music, who began in the late nineties, really, I don't, I think that it's clear that you can hear a lot of influence from the East coast style in there. I think that it, and I think that expanded into what we have in terms of popular hip hop today, because Samples are pretty, you know, it's heavily sample driven. It's got lots of pop elements in it still. And I think a lot of those are things that the ideas that came from the East Coast style. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, West Coast, the interesting thing about the West Coast situation is um, you just, I mean, it's heavily California based. And there's just a large number of artists from California in the 90s. A, a large number, especially big artists. The NWA mm-hmm. with, Ice, with Ice Cube. Yep. I mean, who was... Yeah, I mean, well, West Coast was the the leading the charge for the most part uh, up until Biggie coming out. Yeah, Biggie was really kind of the reason that East Coast even had a name to begin with. Not that there weren't obviously artists who were in the East Coast scene, but he was the face of East Coast at that point in time. In the same way that Tupac was the face of the West Coast at that time, right. and he was kind of the reason that the East Coast West Coast were even kind of on almost equal playing fields in many people's minds. I think that West Coast would have been the predominant sound had it not been for the popularity of Biggie at that point in right. time. I think I'm with you to that. Like the the as I mentioned, the stylistic decisions, the musical qualities of East Coast, I think I am more attracted to. But if I had to choose between Tupac and Biggie, I would I think I would definitely choose Tupac actually. That's fair. I just think that his like his I find his music to be more profound. 
and I like listening to it in a different way, in a deeper way, really. Yeah. I mean, Biggie's music to me is a little more surface levels, just like it can appeal to me as a person who enjoys listening to music, uh, you know, without having to pay attention or deciding to pay attention or this or that. Meanwhile, like because of all of the um, content of the lyrics, Tupac makes me listen a little bit more, but it is a little more tiring. So I don't know. I think it's pretty close, but I think if, for me, I would probably have to choose Tupac as a preference wholly, like all in all. Sure. On that note, Tyler, why don't you go ahead and give me, I don't know if you guys want to do a favorite from both, or if you just want to say whichever one you personally prefer more that you pick a song from them. I would be okay with both. I think that would be fun. Cool. So uh, why don't, Tyler, you go ahead and give me um, favorite Tupac at this point in time. Well, I just don't know that any of them really stood out to me way more than another one. I have a similar experience with Tupac. Uh, I have I have one that I can choose, but I, I I kind of agree that with Tupac specifically, there's a little bit more of a. I don't. I think I'm just gonna play old school. Okay, cool. Here we go. We're gonna send this one out to the old school. All these motherfuckers in the Bronx and Brooklyn and Staten Island, Queens, and all the motherfuckers that laid it down the foundation. You know what I'm saying? Number love for the old school. That's what we gonna do this week. Shout out to these Yeah, kids. a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, Lots yeah. of names being thrown out there. Uh, yeah. Rakim is, yeah, definitely one that's more. I like the refrain in that song. That's a cool refrain. I agree. Sounds kind of cool. I like, the, I like that he's uh, paying homage, if you will. They both have a lot of, I mean, we mentioned um, obviously Snoop Dogg and uh, P. Diddy, but they both have a ton of artists that they clearly were collaborating with frequently. Like all of these albums have artists left and right that they're working with uh which one thing that i thought was interesting i i'm not sure if this is the only one but it's the only one that i noticed who had been featured on an album from both artists oh who's that method man oh, oh. Method, man. method man was on both a biggie and a tupac album and i was oh like my. okay that's i wouldn't have expected method man on a tupac album um it would have made sense for for the big time period, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so um, I know that for me, I think another thing I will mention after listening, I I like I like that song. It's a good song. Um, one thing that I know personally um, that I prefer when it comes to the Notorious B.I.G. as well is I think that he's a better technical um, rapper, to at least from my personal perspective. I think he has a more um, fluid flow in a lot of ways. I think that the way that he delivers lines and his vocabulary is a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. The way that he like kind of weaves words together and has really interesting lines. I do see your point that sometimes it can be a little bit more surface level, but I think that really um, presentation-wise, Biggie just kind of comes up ahead yeah. for me. So, well, Tupac has kind of a weird voice, really. He and does the way that he the like the way he projects his voice is weird. It's very it's very singular. Like I can't really think of other artists that sound no. like uh, you mentioned DMX, and I think that one is a pretty fair 
um, example of another person who sounds like that. But I do think he sounds very much like Tupac. Like that's oh yeah, yeah. That, that, you know Tupac. When I like Tupac I like on. the gruff. I, I think it's pretty it's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Um. So I guess at this point it would you know the, the obvious reason that we pair these two artists together um, is kind of the East Coast West Coast um, rivalry. Um, I'm not sure how much you guys kind of know. I'm, I'm sure that you looked into it this week and looked into kind of what that um, what that rivalry looked like. I think um, the thing that stood out to me the most is just this fact that like Biggie and Tupac were friends initially. Like mm-hmm. you know that they they had a, a a close relationship ultimately, but once the the divide between the two areas was kind of started to um, occur that they had a, a obviously a very, very combative relationship mm. um, in very, very obvious ways. What I had seen a lot, I had watched a couple videos on kind of the rivalry just in general, is a lot of it was precipitated by the media in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't really this perception that there was an East Coast, West Coast divide in the same way until like magazines started putting on the cover and they're like, oh, look at this fight between the two sides of the, the, the country kind of thing. So... So what what is do you have like a pinpoint of their actual rivalry? Like are there is it lyrics? Is it like what they said about each other? Like do we, either of you two know specifically like what this rivalry actually is or is it just because they both make music from different parts of the country so therefore they don't like each other? I think that the like, do you do you know what what it is? I well, I mean, there's the big one uh, when it comes down to it is that um, and this was, uh, the, you know, there's no way to confirm this and we will never confirm this is that there are, you know, rumors in a lot of uh, areas that Biggie Biggie actually um, instructed for Tupac to be killed. Oh, I that he I was read that. Yeah. yeah. So it was it, it is it, in many places. It is believed that that Biggie is the one who orchestrated the death of Tupac. And that was kind of the point where um, the, it's it's odd because it had already existed, you know, the, the rivalry between East Coast, West Coast. Um, and in a lot of ways, and I'll get to this later, but in a lot of ways, it died with them. Mm. Like that that whole um, the exchange between the two areas was really very heavily centered around the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that there was a whole lot that was said by either parties whether that be in their music or um, publicly, that would have necessarily given this um, this impression that there was such a big issue. But uh, again, the media did make it out to be that there was a big issue between the two of them. Hmm. So I I did some research into Suge Knight, sure. who founded Death Row Records. He uh, is currently in prison because he ran over his chauffeur. chauffeur yep. With his vehicle, uh, I guess he thought he was, I don't even know. The, the reasoning, he has a very violent history. Yes. Of lots of, with lots of people and a lot of people in, like he would do shakedowns with people. He would have these entourages that would try and shake people down. One person he did shake down uh, physically was, uh, hold on. Uh, one person he did uh, shake down physically uh, is Robert Van Winkle, also known as Vanilla Ice. Yep. There is a accusation that Suge Knight literally went into Vanilla Ice's house and grabbed him by his ankles and held him out over a balcony. 
What? But uh, wow. Vanilla Ice yeah. claims that never happened and that Knight threatened to throw him off the balcony and the claim... Uh, so that it, it's... But why would you admit... Like, why would you say, oh, yeah, that, like, happened? It, it, right. For his street cred, which was minimal, uh, he would should probably say it didn't happen. And especially, to, like, he doesn't want to, like, rat on him either. Right. So he even though he was this um, friendly face and, and music. Sure. I don't know. Another person that was signed to Death Row Records uh, in the 90s was um, MC Hammer. Yeah. And he claimed, or he said, uh, he left the company uh, about his because of his concern uh, about the circumstances surrounding Tupac's death. And it says that he was with Tupac the night in Vegas that he died. Which really is interesting. I did well. not know that he was there. The hammer that. was there. The hammer was there. Oh my wow. goodness! So, um, I don't think Biggie had anything to do with uh, Tupac's death. From everything that I read. Um, Tupac had gotten to a physical altercation at a boxing match, uh, Mike Tyson's boxing yes. match in Vegas. Correct. And he f- got in, uh, assaulted Orlando Anderson, who yeah. was a member of the Crip gang. It's on camera. It yeah. is on camera, yes. You can then, see him yeah. having this interaction. Three hours later, someone shot into the car that Suge Knight was driving and wounded and fatally, uh, shot. Tupac Shakur. He did like now, what, six days later. Right? Ander- yes. Anderson, uh, Orlando Anderson uh, became a prime suspect because of that physical altercation. And also, you know, like as a way to try and show his, I assume, street cred, he had to be like, okay, you're not going to show me up like that. Another accusation is that um, Suge Knight believed that Tupac was going to leave Death Row Records. And so he orchestrated him to be shot. Right. Which oh. the. The problem with that is why would you say, I'm going to be driving this car, shoot into it, but don't hit me. Right. So like He's a big dude as well. So yeah. he's not like he's, like the main target in the car would be Suge Knight, not Tupac. Yeah. Tupac's not yeah. big. Which, and Suge Knight's I mean, a giant theoretically, man. I suppose that is another theory, is that they were maybe trying to shoot Suge Knight and Tupac just happened to be in the crosshairs. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Suge Knight was kind of, I mean, there were a lot of people who didn't like him. Probably more people didn't like Suge Knight than did not like Tupac. Probably. I would I imagine mean, that's probably true. So I don't know. It, the great, one of the greatest mysteries in hip hop is that both Tupac and Biggie were murdered within and, a year of each other. And neither of them have anybody that was arrested or right. like, that is crazy. It is. That shows the strength and all these years later, like. That shows the strength of not snitching. Somebody knows, and nobody will ever say. Right. And now, because it's been so long, there's this um, this doubt. If somebody comes out and like it, it has to be um, like the Las Vegas police have to have evidence, and then the L.A. police would have to have enough evidence to come out. But if somebody just comes out and is like, "Okay, I know who did it. It's this person," then um, then you're not going to believe them because yeah. Biggie's family sued the LAPD right. because they uh, thought another accusation He's for a the big, Biggie thing uh, yeah, is a, a crooked cop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know. The whole thing is just in like wild. There's a lot of there's a lot of things to unpack. It is I, wild. I will mention that uh, Patreon user Jamie said because uh, you know on there we had asked which yes. one do you prefer, oh, yes. and they said Tupac. The conspiracy theories have almost given his music new life. Like it, you know mm-hmm. the the conspiracy theories around Tupac are such a huge part of the you know the legacy of yeah. both of those artists, and that's well, the same. That, that's why they parallel each other so yeah. so much. It gets. It, I mean the the conspiracy grows knowing that he had already been shot once in new york prior to his his murder you know right. what i mean so like he had already been shot at, at, while being robbed at gunpoint well being asked he was asked to come record a verse for seven grand shows up to record the verse gets mugged and resists and gets shot you know what i mean in new york city which is kind of where also that's another place of where the can like the things begin to get weird between him and biggie is because in a magazine interview, he names Puff Daddy, which is what I call him because I don't care. Yeah, sure. And <laughs> and Biggie and some other people as potentially being in on that situation. I've right? read that as well. So because yeah. uh, Puff Daddy, uh, P Diddy, Diddy, all those names. He, Sean Combs, Sean Sean Combs. Combs he was Sheen. in the an SUV that was following Biggie's vehicle. Yes. Like they were leaving yes. a, a show party, uh, after party kind of scenario. And they both were driving um, on the road and there was major traffic and they were stopped at a stoplight. Um, and somebody pulled up on the side, shot into the SUV and then was able to drive away. I don't know. Like, all those people, how do you, how, how does that happen? That's crazy. It's, it's a wild concept. It for is, sure. man. I was looking at some other um, hip hop people that were like featured on various of those people's albums. Mm-hmm. So Tupac was a part of a hip hop group called Thug Life mm-hmm. uh, from '93 to '95, and um, this other member named Stretch mm-hmm. also was fatally shot in November of 1995. And like the amount of deaths in hip hop and rap around that time is insane right like it was so dangerous and violent not only like in probably not just the hip-hop community but all of that community it was just a, a incredibly dangerous time in america it seems and it just so happened to uh ooze over into music because sure. the, all of the culture was a part of that to you know like it it's all together, basically. Right. And I do think that the you know the rivalry between the two regions has in part to do with that because I think that 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 a lot of people from those areas bought into that heavily. I think that a lot of people, not even in the hip hop community, but just you know general listeners would say, you know, I'm from the East Coast, I'm East Coast pure, same for the West Coast. And so when you have so like you know, you know, Biggie goes to Cali. He even he he made a song going back to Cali, mm-hmm. um which almost sounds like it samples California Love in a weird uh-huh. way. Um but like you know, he goes to that region and the people are going to see him and they're like we're west coast, he's east coast, he doesn't belong here. Right. You know, like when when that kind of um violence and anger are, you know, um stoked in the way that they were at that time, like of course it would lead to bloodshed in a lot of ways. You know, it was so it was so violent, like you're saying, and a lot of it was instigated in a lot of ways. People were, you know, saying like, look at, you know, look at how much hatred there is between these two groups. And when you're in that group, you say, well, I guess I have to hate that group. Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and another is the like the how prominent gang life yes. is as well. Is that yes. like it it bled over in both ways. Like the people in gangs made music, and then the people in music were in gangs, and yeah, so right. it all like and like drugs were incredibly prominent during yep. that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read that um, Biggie did an interview and he had uh, hired security because he feared for his safety. Yeah. Like not long before he was shot. So he like, he knew that it, where he was at was incredibly dangerous and he was lucky to be able to get out. Um, I think that they both had that kind of mentality. Oh, too. Yeah. I think that they both in a lot of ways knew that they weren't going to last long. Yeah. Cause like in a lot of ways, if you listen to the way that Tupac performs, especially on all eyes on me, he had this kind of perception that the cops were watching him, yep. that the fans were watching him. Like everybody was paying attention to him. And there's something, like I said earlier, there's a paranoia about the way that he made his music. And I think that, you know, he, and I think Biggie as well, both probably had that mentality of I'm not gonna I'm not gonna last long. I think that they felt like they kind of had to do what they could with the time they had because I think that they kind of knew that their time was limited in a lot of ways. So on that note, I'll go ahead and say um, what one of my uh, particular favorite songs are. Um, the one that I think that stood out to me the most. That's not necessarily one of the big singles from the Taurus B.I.G. Um, was the song Everyday Struggle. I really liked the the way that that, out, that song kind of is produced and the way that the beats are handled and all that. So I'm going to go ahead and play that song. I don't want to live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking at my front door. I'm living every day like a hustle. Another drug and juggle. Another day, another struggle. I don't want to live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking at my front door. I'm living every day like a hustle. So, you know, what's perhaps one of the most interesting pieces of that is that was off of Ready to Die, his first album. Right. And he already had kind of that mentality, which is why, you know, why I wanted to play that song when I did, is that he already, you know, was kind of like, I've already feel like death is knocking at my front door. Like, I I feel this coming in a lot of ways. And I I don't know. I guess the, the, the crazy thing to me about the story of it is, I mean, obviously, you know, hindsight is 2020 in so many ways. I don't know how else that story shapes out. You know, I, I don't see a way when things were as heated between East Coast and West Coast were in the way that they were and the way that those two um, had this kind of, you know, image of hating each other in the way that they did, that they didn't both go out the way that they did. You know, I, I think that when Tupac died, it was only a matter of time that Biggie was going to go out to, or at least that there was going to be an attempt. Mm. You know, I, I think that the it was so heated between both parties that when you see the face of the West Coast, you know, murdered the way that he was. And re- again, like you said earlier, you know, there, it's not like there was any justice that came from that situation. I'm sure that those on the West Coast were probably furious. And they were like, you know, well, when there's know. no face to it, when there's no person that you can say this is the person that killed him, then all of those people can 
Like your imagination can fill in all of the gaps. In the same and way it, that people see that Biggie might have been right, the one orchestrating. Right. Because it, and then it allows you to place, you know, blame, especially because like, I mean, when, when there's no one to, to, to place blame on, it makes it, you can make it seem like it's an orchestrated thing. You can make it seem like it was planned. People got out of here. They don't want you to know. You know what I mean? And someone's in there just trying to take your guy out kind of thing. And so who knows? I mean, and that's the case is like, nobody knows if who organized one thing or the other, if they did, if they didn't on either side, you know, nobody knows if like, if Biggie's death was a retaliation or not, people still don't know that. Right. So, and that way, like it brings new life to both of their discographies because it creates this like mystic thing going on. You know what I'm saying? It creates this, it, it's like a, it's a, even a nostalgic situation of like, remember when we had these two really great artists and then like they were killed and this, and so like what you have of them is just like greater because of that, mm-hmm. because it's so limited and because of like what we, you talked about in terms of like the time frame, and all that stuff. So it's pretty cool. Like that. It's just weird to think that there's a whole, there's an entire world that you can just uh, encapsulate yourself in that surrounds this music other than just the music itself. Right. I mean, I think um, what what you could even look at from that too is like, you know, it, obviously there there is a, a, a mystical kind of idea behind it, but it is interesting too that, you know, it's not as though, I think that we still would have seen them in a very, very like important light had they both been alive today. Um that's what I'm because, I, I, I've been thinking about that. Like, what would music look like if they were both still alive? Sure. Because you have somebody like Snoop Dogg, who was a part of all that then as well. He was doing gangster rap. He was accused of murder. Uh, and Shook Knight kind of got him out of it, which is an interesting story as mm-hmm. well. For sure. Um, but now he's like cooking with Martha Stewart. Right. So, and then like um, Ice Cube is in children's films. So it's like, yeah, like these people that were a part of all of that in that time period are now cultural icons outside of their music. And, mo- you know, like Tupac and Biggie, it would be so weird and interesting to see them now like being guests on uh, the Masked Singer sure. or something, you right. know. I mean, Tupac did a- have acting roles. Yeah, he did. Yeah, already, so he so. would have e- easily continued yeah. that. I'm sure if he would have stayed alive. I think another um, like Biggie was a large man. Yeah, and another large man that was a rapper at that time was a Big Pun, Big Punishment, mm-hmm. and he died of a heart attack because he was so obese. And I, that might be that could have that could be what the result of Biggie would have been. Right. Especially today, because it was yeah. 25 years ago, yeah. almost, that he, you know, passed away. Yeah, he'd have been So at 50. this point, he would have been, oh, no, about 47 49. or 48. He would have, yeah, he would have been, yeah, you know, he, he would have been up Died that, at that point. Died in 97 at tw- the age of 24, so. But yeah, it, I mean, it would have. in his 50s it, at this point. Yeah, okay, yeah. It, like, if, it if would be nice alive. to, uh, but like, if you look at it, you know, it's not as though, you know, that we only look at, back on their careers because of the fact that they passed away ready to die was a massive album um me against the world and all eyes on me were massive albums um i don't think that um i don't think that uh life after death reached the same acclaim as really those three albums in particular but you know those are three of, you know, very, very important albums at their time. Right. And so, you know, 
if you look at it, you know, um, in the hip hop spectrum, even around that same time. So like, if you look at other East coast albums that were, uh, particularly, particularly, um, impactful at that period of time, you have like Nas Elmatic that came out pretty close to ready to die. Um, you had Wu Tang that came out around that same time. And, you know, those were, you know, albums that in the hip hop community you view as important, but you know, you know, 36 Chambers doesn't have the same kind of, um, I guess, cultural impact as Ready to Die did, even at the time of its release. Because I'm pretty sure that Ready to Die and All Eyes on Me, if I remember correctly, both charted at number one. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not sure that Wu-Tang was quite as accessible even. No, probably not. No. Like, you no, know, certainly not. The accessibility that he brought, and, and to an extent, I mean, you can't deny Puff Daddy's influence on that oh, as a for producer. Sure. You know, but those two together were like a force for like the accessibility of that music. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like if you look at like like what Dre did on California Love, like that song is a a huge hip hop song. And it's so pop. Yeah, it is pop. It is very pop. It is a good song. Um a fun little story about uh, your your speaking of, of P. Diddy. Yeah. Suge Knight at a like uh, some kind of award show came out and basically was talking crap about uh, P Diddy because P Diddy would put himself in like his artist songs and like be in the background like um, like with money and dancing with people and stuff and Suge Knight was like if you want to be on a label where you're not overtaken by your uh, record guy <laughs> yeah your producer. come to death row you yeah, by your by your producer that's so funny I, I thought that was that pretty cute funny. that is pretty i funny. remember let, i'll just uh anyone any listeners who remember this you can you can shout at us i remember when puff daddy was uh the musical guest on all that when he was oh, puff yeah. daddy oh, yeah. I, do, so, I think i remember, remember that, as well. that i remember it keenan uh introduced him so yeah that's fun shout at me if you remember shout Ch- out if you remember kids. just into the abyss yeah. Right, just shout out loud. I can hear you from wherever you are. Your spidey sense of Diddy will be tingling. You, yeah. Did somebody mention Puff Daddy? Somebody said. Somebody said something about Puffy. I think somebody mentioned Keenan Thompson. <laughs> uh, Jared, why don't you go ahead? Let, let's let's hear the song that kind of stood out to you from this week. I think that at this point, given time, we're just gonna yeah. do one song, obviously. So yeah, okay. Oh, this is tough. I think um, I'll pick "Changes" by Tupac. Okay, cool. No changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself, it's like worth living, should I blast myself? I'm tired of being born, even worse, I'm black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. Cops give a damn about a Negro. Pull a trigger, kill a nigga, he's a hero. Get it back to the kids, who the hell cares? One less hungry mouth on the welfare. First ship him, don't let him deal with brothers. Give him guns, step back, watch him kill each other. It's time to fight back, that's what Huey said. Two shots in the dark, now Huey's dead. I got love for my brothers. That's a good one. That yeah, uses that a good. sample of Bruce Hornsby in The Range, the song The Way It Is, which hey. is a great song from the 80s. And uh, also, I Wonder If Heaven Got a Ghetto uh, by uh, Stevie Wonder. Oh. Hmm. oh. No, no, it's a song by him. I Wonder If Heaven Got a Ghetto is a song by Tupac. Yeah. Uh, so he reuses lines from that and then oh, okay. re- recorded it. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's a good song. I've liked that song for a long time. California Love is another song I love by yep, Tupac. It's a good one. Mo Money, More Problems, like I said earlier. Like, there's a yeah, lot of good, a good singles one. that I picked, had interest in. 
Uh, Brenda's Got a Baby by Tupac is a really good song. It's about a girl at 12 years old that has a kid and doesn't uh, want the kid. And so she like throws the kid in the garbage can. Nice. And it's about like, think like that's real things that happen. So he's using like stories that he had heard uh, into a song, you know, like, that. yeah. So I don't know. It's fun. It's not really fun, but that's his style. Yeah. Real experiences this is real life out here. Uh, Biggie doesn't quite address things in that same manner. No. Um, have, do you know the song "I'll Be Missing You" by uh, Of course, Puff Daddy? You should play that one. I think that that song is a great example of the Suge Knight quote that you said earlier, because like that song is a, a little on the nose about being about Notorious B.I.G. Oh yeah, and it is his number one song, bar none. Like <laughs> yeah. b- the biggest Diddy song, like isn't basically a song about Notorious B.I.G. So it's, it's like even yeah. even his own music when he's not been... being featured within the realm of Biggie, it's like. I still got to talk about Biggie. Yeah, it should have been called Still Making That Money. <laughs> so uh, that song, uh, as you could tell, is a, uh, they used a sample yeah. of... Uh, a creeper uh, ev- song. Every, yeah. Every Breath You Take. And Sting heard the song, and he said, oh, that's interesting. That's weird. So he Sued! Was, they were not given permission to use it, so he did sue. And he got a hundred percent of the song royalties. Oh my goodness! And so 100%? he hundred percent. Oh my goodness! He now earns, according to this, two thousand dollars a day from. The oh track. my god! No, so I don't know when that was, and it's probably not as much now as it was back that in like, ninety eight or whatever. Why can't we all be Sting? I know. Why can't we all be Sting? Is a Why great can't thought. we be Sting? All right, I got something to, to talk about briefly here. Is it your ending thought? Yeah, it's the last thing I have to say, I suppose. Other than, I mean, I don't have any closing thoughts, really. I think we've gotten to it. Sure. But this I do want to bring up because I think it's entertaining anyway. The, there's a skit on Chappelle's show where they talk about uh, Tupac, about how his lyrics always seem to be like prophesizing things. Like he talks about yeah. stuff happening before he even knows that it's going to happen. And uh, I think we should go ahead and play a little bit of that sketch. It's kind of a funny sketch. song in 94 <laughs> am i doing this look around the club see everyone in the place showing park love got a smile on my face the girl in the miniskirt has bad taste because that shirt don't match here's a putting stain on the back it's oh, all i good. liked a lot of that it's that was all really good. good i know it's a good one that's, that's a pretty good skit yeah you got it i like how he did the voice yeah that's pretty good yeah i liked it yeah um, so I guess, uh, we can keep a pretty brief closing conversation is just, um, I, th- I think, I think both of you, I-, I actually think all of us kind of agree that really Tupac is probably the one who's kind of had the longer lasting legacy. Yes. Uh, overall. Um, and I think, um, like I said earlier, I didn't touch on this too much, but it, I think that the, perhaps one of the most interesting pieces 
of their story is the fact that um, the East Coast-West Coast rivalry really kind of died with them in a lot of ways. There was a lot of push after Biggie's death um, to kind of mend those wounds, I guess, and kind of um, eliminate that kind of um, the mentality that both regions had against each other. Um, and I don't, I don't think that that, like, I think that worked in a lot. It's crazy how well that worked. Like we don't, we don't live in a world where hip hop is divided in the same way at all. Like, you know, I, I think that predominantly artists still come out of those regions. Of course, we still have Southern hip hop, which we've talked about before, you know, Eminem didn't come out of either of those regions. Detroit? You know? Like, yeah. So like, you know, obviously hip hop has transcended the East coast, West coast rivalry in a lot of ways. It's a very, very big conversation uh, to look at how important that was for hip-hop at the time. Um, but it really is, to me, quite intriguing that it lasted really for the duration of those two people. I don't think... Like, there's really no way to have a conversation about East Coast, West Coast without it just really being about Biggie and Tupac. Right. So, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that splatter of information, but that's kind of like the last thing that I kind of think about when it comes to both of them. I don't have any more. Nope. I, the only thing I want to say, Oh, you we, don't have any more. We not about that. Uh -oh. Um, which is fine. I will say that the last little bit that I found interesting, uh, death row records, uh, went bankrupt. Yeah. And the owner of death row records now, is the Hasbro company. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> One of the strangest things that's ever happened it's, in music. They're yeah. making that money. So it's it's they're actually owned by Entertainment One, which like is a Canadian multinational entertainment company that uh, like purchases various entertainment things, but it's owned uh, by Hasbro. It's a subsidiary of Hasbro. So sure. The, the um, finance, like the... the assets if you will mm -hmm. from death row became available to purchase and so they bought them i assume for the um residuals royalties and stuff like right. that which is yeah. probably well, relatively you would profitable the, yeah you what well, you would own the rights to all those recordings technically i yep. mean unless unless some there's some clause in in bankruptcy that uh you know gives rights to the uh, artists themselves which i you know who knows so we, but, we talked about that uh death row christmas album on good band bad band uh a long time ago Remember oh yeah that? and that was where i think we first brought up the hasbro thing which is yeah. super weird i'd read about it um through something i was like hasbro now owns um death row i'm like that is the craziest thing but truly some of the listeners might not know some of them might not care but i told them you sure did now they know I have I actually have one last thing that I want to mention, and it goes back to the conversation about uh, Tupac's legacy kind of lasting longer. Um, one thing in particular that has always stood out to me for very, very obvious reasons um, is Tupac's influence on a very particular artist who I believe to be kind of um, leading the charge of hip hop still being at that same level, which is Kendrick. And Tupac, obviously, 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 had a very, very big influence on Kendrick. Like, at the very end of To Pippa Butterfly, um, there's kind of this, like, mock conversation between uh, Tupac and Kendrick. And so um, I think that would be kind of the biggest example to me. Um, you know, obviously, I'm sure other artists, you know, were influenced by those, too. But I think that Kendrick Lamar probably is the one who is the most forward about um, 
how much of an influence Tupac had on his music. And I, you know, if you think about, you know, the the question of where would hip hop be today, you know, without those artists, I guess you kind of have to wonder, like, would we have a Kendrick without a Tupac? You know, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's many, many more examples, but I guess that's the one that kind of stands out to me the most is like a, you know, influence. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Round Tables. We've been talking about Tupac and Biggie. And next week, we're going to be doing something very different. We're going to be talking about Bonnie Prince Billy. Perhaps an artist you're not familiar with. Another reason to tune in next week. Check out all of our social media bits, Facebook, Instagram, so on and so forth. Check us out at patreon.com slash recordroundtable. Check out our website, recordroundtable.com. Thank you for listening and goodbye.